The Lord be with you. Let us pray together the collect of the day. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated and children. Children, follow the cross to Children's Chapel. There we go. reading from Galatians. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, But it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, Having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. 
One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have life. I pray today that we would leave here changed and transformed through our faith, through our understanding of forgiveness, and our understanding of community. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'll wait till the screens go up. All right, there we go. Most of us, if we're honest, at some point in our lives, we have tried to become better at something. We're wired that way. We want to have the best life we can, to be the best person we can in whatever uh, it is that we're doing. Well, I had a chance to test that out this week. On Sunday, my wife left for four days She's a teacher, and she went to AP training in Atlanta, so I was Mr. Mom for four days, the single dad with a two-year-old and a six-year-old, and I decided something. You see, every time Veronica's home with the kids, I come back, the house is in chaos, and I was determined that I was going to, uh, the house was going to be beautiful when she came back. I was going to keep it super clean. I could multitask. I was going to show her that it could be done. Remember, she left on Sunday, and that lasted till about Sunday. On Sunday, we had a fundraiser for our 
Honduras trip. I came back with the six-year-old and the two-year-old. The house was already a little crazy, and I just started right away cleaning the kitchen. And I was focused on my task. And as I'm cleaning, Zelia, my two-year-old, keeps running with, like, bags of puzzle pieces and just dropping them on the floor. So I'm cleaning that up, and I'm like, you go back there. I'm cleaning the kitchen. I'm cleaning the kitchen. And just when I thought I'd almost arrived and got it clean, Zelia's standing on a chair in the kitchen, peeing on the floor and all over the... (laughs) At that point, I just threw in the white flag. I surrendered. And from that point forward, it was just kind of like basic maintenance, just trying to keep them like alive, fed, in bed. (laughs) So I have great respect for my wife and any single parents here in the crowd. Uh, I was not able to make that area of my life better and prove it. Uh, The house was still in chaos when she uh, came back from her trip. I think if we're honest, though, all of us, like I said, have this desire to make our lives better. And to prove this, I did a simple search on Google and said, you know, put better life in there, how to become better. And here's some of the uh, items that came up. 30-day challenge is guaranteed to make you a better you. Be a better man in 30 days. 30 days to a better man. We seem to have a theme about men needing to be better. (laughs) Build a better life one month at a time. 30 challenges for 30 days for high existence. Be a better me in 30 days. Live a better life in 30 days. How to become a better designer in 30 days. Starts getting bizarre right here. This is my, remind you, this is like the top 10, 20 list here. 30 days to better brush calligraphy. Really? That made the top uh, 15 list? Apparently there's a lot of people that are trying to improve their uh, calligraphy skills, but that's great. Um, it goes on. Getting in shape, better marriages, better relationships. You name it. People want to become better. I believe that Although this sounds like surface kind of things, I believe we are wired for this in our lives. We're wired in that we realize that there's this emptiness that we want to become better at whatever it is that we're doing. Unfortunately, this is not always so easy. And oftentimes we fall short. So we go back and try another 30-day challenge to make our lives better. I want to bring an example in here about why I think it's so hard to make ourselves better, and particularly in our spiritual lives, to make ourselves better so that God could accept us. Matter of fact, that statement right there is almost impossible. When I was a young kid, and I'm not anymore, maybe a little bit, I was a little bit of a pyromaniac. I liked to burn stuff, and I'd put firecrackers in ant villages and watch the, you know, the ants go into chaos. That was kind of semi-cruel. Uh, I would burn lots of things. And uh, one of the things that we found that uh, was particularly interesting when we burned was plastic. When you burn plastic, it would shape form and it would get all ugly and it made an awful smell. But we like to do it. And to demonstrate last night, I burnt this uh, Tupperware. Don't worry, it's one of our bad ones, a little plastic bowl. And as you can see, it's no longer a functional bowl. But in our lives, as far as they relate to God... I feel like we are like this bowl. No matter what we do to become better, we're never going to be good enough. You see, the Pharisees in the gospel reading today, they were always trying to better their lives and to become the best Jews that they could be. They memorized scripture. 
They tried to live high standards of moral lives. But like everybody, they fell short. The woman in the story got it. She was not missing the point. She understood that she was broken, that her life had been become distorted from sin. She had encountered Christ and it changed her life. She found forgiveness in Christ. And this forgiveness brought transformation. It brought wholeness. It brought newness. It was the only thing that could fix the sin that had distorted her life. And she leaves this uh, scene with Jesus not only forgiven, but Jesus sends her out to live her life in peace. She gets invited to something bigger, a faith relationship with God made known through Christ. Luke's gospel, where this passage is found, begins with an understanding of the scope of Jesus' ministry. The angels announce that it will be good news of great joy and will be for, for all the people. A Savior is born, Christ the Lord. And throughout the Gospels, the writers tell a story and story again about people who changed from their encounter with Christ. And this woman was no exception. She understood that she was forgiven. She understood that she could be in a right relationship with God. Jesus makes it very clear that this woman is forgiven. He says, he who has been forgiven little loves little. He who has forgiven much loves much. The woman understood she was forgiven. The son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. See, the problem with this story for the Pharisees is they felt they were okay. But they needed just as much forgiveness as this woman did, who they called the sinful woman. We don't even know what her sin was. But they didn't get it. Again, it was adventures in missing the point. Daryl Bach, in his commentary on Luke, writes, God's fundamental way of transforming people is through his offer of grace and forgiveness. It's the only way for wholeness in our lives. The Apostle Paul reinforces this in many of his letters. In his letters to, Romans, uh, to the Romans, in chapter 8, verse 1, he writes, There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. In his, letters to the in his letter to the Corinthians, he writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And in his letter to the Colossians, he talks about putting on, taking off our old self and putting on our new self. We are transformed when we encounter Christ and we experience his forgiveness. How do we do this? Well, it takes movement. For this woman, it was going to Jesus in tears and washing his, washing her, his feet with expensive perfume, very expensive perfume. It was a response that said, I've encountered Christ. I understand that I'm forgiven and I'm going to demonstrate my gratitude for this. But the great thing about Jesus is he always makes the first move. As we look throughout the Gospels, he approached people. He was known as a friend of sinners, a friend of you and I. He spent time with all kinds of people. From our st standards, some were good and some were not so good. He spent time with prostitutes, rich people, poor people, religious leaders, military leaders, tax collectors, women, men, children. 
Jesus did not discriminate. He let people know that the good news can bring change to their lives, regardless of their circumstances. Also throughout the scriptures, we see people who were moved specifically by Jesus. Let me read you a few examples. There was the military leader, the centurion, who recognized that Jesus had the authority, so he humbly asked him to heal his servant. There was Zacchaeus, the stingy tax collector, the corrupt tax collector. Jesus asked him to come down from the tree, and he moved, spent time with Jesus. It transformed and changed his life. And then we have the story this morning that Kathy read about this woman who was moved from hearing Jesus' words. She comes to that dinner table and washes his feet. See, our encounter with Jesus not only brings forgiveness, but this forgiveness is never meant to be up in our heads or some esoteric knowledge. It brings action. It brings movement. James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his, uh, in his epistle, he states that faith without works is dead. What I think he's trying to say is this. Faith brings activity. Faith is never meant to be just an intellectual pursuit. When you understand that you're forgiven, you act, you move, you respond to what Christ has done for you. Change also happens not only when we encounter Christ and we move toward him, but it brings us into participation in a community of faith. As Jesus sends the woman out to go in peace and tells her that her faith has saved her, There is no doubt that her life will never be the same. And when we read on in the epistle, we find three other women that were touched by Jesus' ministry. Let me read in uh, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. These women came from different backgrounds. We have Mary, who was plagued by demons, Mary Magdalene. We have Joanna, who was right up there with the highest of the high. Her husband worked directly with the ruler, with, the, with Herod. And then we have Susanna, who we know nothing about, but I'm sure she had a story as well. But he touched all kinds of people's lives. And when he touched their lives, when they encountered him, when they understood they were forgiven, that they could find healing and wholeness through Christ, their lives were never the same. It was no longer living for themselves. They became a part of Jesus' ministry, and they wanted to share that love and faith with other people through their means, their resources, through participating with Christ. The great thing about faith in Christ is we talked about this whole thing of wanting to become a better you. Faith in Christ really does bring a better you, but not in the way of just doing all this stuff to make our lives better. You don't lose yourself or become part of this collective soul. A matter of fact, you find yourself, you find the real you and you become more you than you ever have been before. As you participate in this community of faith, 
One of my professors at Regent, where I went to seminary, said this in his book, The Mentored Life. His name was James Houston. He said, becoming a Christian is a demolition of one's identity from the ruins of self-enclosure as being individualistic, literally inhuman. Whereas to be human is to be a social being. Instead, one becomes more open to other people, but also becomes radically reconstituted as a person in Christ. When you become a believer, when you understand that you're forgiven, you get invited into something much bigger, a family of other believers, and you find the real you, the best you, the best version of you, because you're with a body of believers that sharpens one another and spurs each other on to love and good deeds, to share Christ's message of wholeness and forgiveness with other people. Galatians 2.20 from our epistle reading said this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When Christ lives in our heart, we become the best version of ourselves that is possible from anything you could try in this life. And we're not alone again on this journey. We have this body of believers to go out and share this message of hope with other people. The writer, writer of Hebrews states, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Another version says the author of our faith. We become connected with the God who knows our story, who wrote our story. We become the best version of us that is possible because we understand forgiveness. We understand faith and we're part of a community of believers that wants to bring this to other people. So what are you going to do about this message? You know, my message said in the very beginning, uh, the name of the talk was, can you change and become a better uh, person? On your own? No. You'll just be like this distorted bowl that's all mangled and hard and not malleable anymore. And you can cover it up and put a bow on it or paint it. But it's still going to not be functional. It's still not going to have form. It's still not going to be what it was intended to. And that's the way our lives are when we try to do life on our own. But when we give our lives to Christ, when we put our faith and trust in him, When we make that movement towards Christ, our lives are transformed. We become of something. We become part of something much bigger and much better. There's a book that I read a few years ago that I love, and it's by a guy named Bob Goff. And some of you know I was on staff with Young Life, which is an outreach ministry to high school students. And this guy was part of this ministry too, and it was recommended by a friend of mine from Young Life. And He talks about his son, kind of this whole theme of bigger and better, how his son one day decided to play the game bigger and better. And for those of you who are younger, you've never heard of this game. But if you grew up in like the 70s and 80s, it was this game where you go knock on someone's door with something small and say, do you have something uh, bigger and better for this, you know, highlighter? And then they'd find something they didn't want in your house and they give it to you. And you keep trading up till you got something bigger and potentially better. Right. So. uh Bob Goff, who wrote this book called Love Does, tells the story about his son, Richard. He said he set out with a dime a while back, playing bigger and better. 
He knocked on the door and said, I've got a dime and I'm hoping to trade up for something bigger. Do you have anything you can trade me? The guy at the door had never heard of this game, like most of you. Nevertheless, he was immediately in and he shouted over his shoulder to his wife. Hey, Margie, there's a kid here and we're playing bigger and better. I love that he said we. What do we have that's bigger and better than a dime? Richard walked away with a mattress. It it gets gets better. Later, he went to another door and walked away with a ping pong table. From the ping pong table, he walked away with a giant elk head that some hunter had given him. He ended up with a Dodge pickup truck. Bob Goff writes, in a sense, Jesus isn't requiring a sacrifice at all. He's asking us to play bigger and better, where we give up ourselves and end up with him. The story of Richard doesn't stop there. His dad writes, you know what Rich did with the truck? He gave it away. He drove it to the church down the street and tossed them the keys. When we give our lives to Christ, our lives become bigger. They do become better. Because we give our lives away to other people. Eugene Peterson, a professor of mine at Regent College as well, in his paraphrase of the Bible uh, called The Message, writes this. The fear of God expands your life. A wicked life is a puny life. In Proverbs 15:32, he writes, self-willed life is puny. A God-willed life is spacious. Following God makes your life bigger. So what do you do about this message? Well, there's one movement you can do today. In Psalm 107.2, it says, let the redeemed of the world say so. Our faith was never meant to be privatized or individualistic. We leave here today, whether we're a first time believer today or we've known Christ most of our lives. And we let people know the hope and the wholeness we found in Christ. We tell them that there's something much bigger and better they can get from any 30 day challenge. And that comes from a relationship with Christ. We have a community of high school students. Some of them are here this morning. We're going to pray for them uh, here in a little bit. And they are doing something bigger and better. They're responding to their love in Christ and going to Honduras to share their faith, their hope that they have found in Christ with children and teenagers. They can share stories together. And they're going to come back with a much bigger and better story to tell other people that following Christ does not make your life smaller, but following Christ makes your life bigger. Forgiveness, movement, community. Following Christ is a dynamic life that will change us. It will make our lives bigger. It will make our lives better. Someone once said that in a cynical way, that church is oftentimes a museum of saints. Then I've heard other people say that it's a hospital for sinners. We love to say these kind of cliches and pithy sayings. But I think there's a better message. I think church is a bunch of people that hopefully recognize that their lives without God through a relationship with Christ are distorted. And yeah, it's a hospital for sinners, but he never leaves us there. Leaves us there. He's healing us. He's renewing us, so we can go out in the world 
and bring other people this hope and wholeness that is found in Christ. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you that you move toward us and you call us to move. To move into faith, to move into our forgiveness so that we can be hope for a world that desperately needs it. Help us to leave here today and take this message to the people we love and those we meet this week. In Jesus name. Amen.